Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. Join us now as Pastor Keith Moore shares today's message. I guess we're in our sixth week of uh, crawling through uh, God's Word, dealing with this issue of uh, finding uh, order to our overloaded lives. And uh, so hopefully we're going to get some help with that again uh, this morning. Uh, You know, we exist, our church exists to make more and better followers of Christ who love God and love people. And we're going to kind of focus in on that loving God and loving people issue this morning. It's Mother's Day, and we're going to talk about how to love our moms better. But also, while we're doing that, let's learn the lesson of loving uh, each other and God uh, uh, a little better. So uh, I wanted to say uh, welcome to our friends at A Better Way uh, Ministries. Guys, welcome. It's always great to have you here and uh, very thankful for you. Very thankful for you. Uh, a few um, a few. Uh, Years ago, what matter of fact, years ago, I, I was reading on this subject and I came across uh, something written by Pastor Rick Warren uh, that has greatly informed the message this morning. And I'm excited to, to share it with you. You know, the natural question that we have is why do we get overloaded? Well, the, the, the easy answer is we try to do too much, right? I mean, right? We try to do too much. Well, that brings a follow-up question. Why do we try to do too much? Why do we do that? Why do we try to do too much? Well, there are, many, there are several answers to that question. We've dealt with some of them already. But one of the answers to that question is this. We often try to do too much because we forget what matters most. But we just forget And therefore, everything is on equal footing, and we try to get it all done, and so we overload our lives, and then there we are. And then there we are. We we forget what really matters. We forget uh, the things that really make a difference. So we may need to make our prayer uh, the prayer of the psalmist. You want to jot this down in your notes. Psalm uh, 39, verse 4. It's going to be on the screen. Here's what he prayed. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Because when we remember how brief our time on earth will be, it helps us think about what matters most. So we may want to pray that. Because God understands what really matters. Listen to this. Philippians chapter 1, verse 10. He said, For I want you to understand what really matters. I want you to understand what really matters. But I I have a hard time doing that each day, don't you? We do. We have a hard time with that. And again, when we forget what really matters every day, we tend to put everything on equal footing, and so we just try to get it all done, and boom, we're overloaded, and we have chaos in our life rather than than order, rather than order. So let's talk about what really matters. You can restore order to your overloaded life if you will remember relationships. And spend your life investing love in those relationships that matter. Now, there, there are three truths that I want us to take away from this morning that relate to Mother's Day. Uh, but really, let's remember it every day. And here they are. Here they are. They, the, the best use of life is love. The best expression of love is time. And the best time to love is now. So here we go. Let's, let's take a look at that. Here's the first, here's the first hook to hang uh, your hat on this morning, and it is this one. 
The best use of your life is love. The best use of my life is love. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 1 says it this way. Let's read this out loud together. Ready? Here we go. Let love be your highest goal. One more time. Here we go. Let love be your highest goal. Really, circle that in your Bible. Your highest goal? Now, not your only goal. There are other things that God wants you to do and pursue. But it's all in the context. It's all in the atmosphere. It's all swimming in the pool of love. Uh, it, is, it is the air that we are to breathe. It's, the, it's, the, it's the, the realm in which we are to live. Make the highest, make love your highest goal. So he's saying here that to remember that investing in loving relationships is the very best way to spend your life. It is the very best way to spend your life. So why does God say that? Now, that's, I'm, you know, I'm really not going to tell you anything you don't already know. You could, you could stand up and teach this this morning, but I'm going to tell you anyway. There, there, are two, there are two reasons that God would say, this is why I would have you pursue love as your highest goal. And the first one is this. He says, because my life without love, your, your life without love is a zero. I mean, he says, he says it right here in 1 Corinthians uh, 13. Do we have that up there? He says, so no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I am bankrupt without love. No matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I am bankrupt without love. I mean, he's saying that if I am without loving relationships in my life, my life is a zero with the rim kicked off. It's, it's nothing. We are, no matter what we've accomplished, no matter the material possessions we gain, no matter what positions of power uh, we now hold or influence or notoriety without loving relationships, my life is bankrupt. He says that's why you should make it your highest goal. I mean, this is a theme. This is no surprise to anyone in this room. This is, a, is an ongoing theme in the history of human storytelling. You go to the ancient fables. Uh, you go to the, the great literature of every culture in, in, in every era, uh, on every continent, you, uh, the movies, the novels, the short stories, uh, we find this theme over and over and over uh, of, uh, of people who acquire great possessions or great position or great power, but who are bankrupt in their relationships and they're a disaster. Yet we as human beings never seem to learn the lesson. Our lives without love is is bankrupt. I mean, you know right now, personally, people of great wealth, great power, great prestige, who are a sorry lot, a sad lot, because their life is absent loving relationships. You know, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, uh, a very religious man approached the Lord Jesus one time and he asked him, he basically asked, what is the greatest Commandment. You can find this in Luke chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. Uh, and Jesus answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart. You know, that's a relationship, right? Knowing God, knowing Jesus is not an academic exercise. It is the building of a re- and the enjoyment of a relationship with God. You can know Him, not just about Him. And so He says, first is loving God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
Jesus was saying that the highest goal is to invest love in relationships, relationships with people and relationships with him. Uh, In other words, you could sum that up by saying we exist to love God completely, love others compassionately, and love ourselves correctly. Uh, Love is to be our highest goal. That's the first reason uh, he says that we're to do it, because without it, we're bankrupt. Second, he says, because love is what lasts. Love actually lasts. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, the Scriptures say, three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. You know, most of us want to leave a legacy, most of us have some desire to have an impact after we're dead and gone. We want to leave, we want our lives to have made a positive difference uh, in this world. We want to make a difference. We want to leave a legacy. And so God shows us here the way to do that, the way to leave a positive legacy, uh, something that lasts after we're gone. He says, focus on a life of faith, on a life of hope, and on a life of love, remembering that loving relationships, investing in loving relationships is the, is the biggest deal, the most important, not achievements. People don't really care about my achievements. They don't really care about your achievements. They do care if you love them. They do care if you love them. And now, we all know this, don't we? I mean, we know this. But we forget it. We forget what really matters. We forget loving relationships. Now, in over 40 years of of ministry, I have stood by many, many deathbeds. Many, many deathbeds. I have have been with dying people uh, in their last minutes and last hours many times. And uh, I have never had one... I've never witnessed in over 40 years of doing this, I've never witnessed one person who said in their last minutes, bring me my diplomas. I just want to see them one more time. Bring me the gold watch they gave me when I retired from the company. I want to put it on my wrist one more time. Not one person. They all want the important people in their life near them. I mean, some of you have seen it. Some of you have been this person. You've been the last child that could get home. And your mama or your daddy or your brother or your sister or your grandmother hung on unbelievably until you could get there and say, I love you, bye. Right? Right? I've seen it countless times. Countless times. They didn't wait on their bank balance. They didn't wait on their diplomas. They didn't wait on their position, their power. They waited on a person. They waited on a person. The best use of life is love. Without it, my life is bankrupt, and it's the only thing that lasts. And you can restore order to an overloaded life if you will remember relationships and hold to the truth that the very best use of your life, your one and only life, is love. And that's not all. You can also remember the second thing. Jot this down. Here it is. The best expression of love is time. The best use of life is love. The best expression of love is time. Love is a four-letter word spelled what? T-I-M-E. 
T-I-M-E. It is spelled time. Take a look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 18 on the screen. Jesus said these words, or the, uh, the, God said these words through the apostle John. We must show love through actions that are sincere, not through empty words. It is time. Now, today's Mother's Day. We've acknowledged that. And, you know, what does your mother want more, want from you more than anything else? I mean, she'll appreciate the cards and the flowers and the candy and the gifts. She always, she really will, she, but she will appreciate it for what it represents. It represents your love. But you know what she wants more than anything else? Your time. My time. That's it. My undiv- your undivided attention. Time to be with her. And that's the way all people are. The greatest gift that you can give another person is your time. It is your time because time is your most precious commodity. It it is. It is. You only have a certain amount of time. The Bible says that God has predetermined. He already knows the number of seconds and minutes and hours and days and weeks and months and years that you have on this earth. And it's limited. It's already set. It's already said, uh, you, you are not going to get any more time. You can get more money, but you can't get more time. That is why it is your most valuable commodity. You know, we have a saying to, to people we love when they're going on a trip or going off to college. Some of you high school graduates, you're zooming down and we, you know, your mom and dad are going to be spending these, these two months of, of, um, of wishing they could keep you at home and, and her, wishing they could hurry up and get you out of home because you're ready to go ahead and be there and you're, you know, that kind of thing. But when they, when they drop you off at the campus, many of them will say to you, I hope you have the time of your life. We'll say that when people are, you know, going married and going on a honeymoon, I hope you have the time of your life. Or on a vacation, hope you have the time of your life. Listen, our time is our life. That's, that's us. That's our life, it is our most valuable commodity. Now, men, we have a t- uh, more difficulty with this than the women. Typically, as a general, excuse me, as a general rule. I mean, we say things like, you know, we're working too long. You know, we're, we're away from home because of our work. And, and we, we have the best of motives. And then we, we say, you know, I just don't understand it. I mean, don't they understand? I work, I work long and hard for them. Uh, it's for you. It's for them. Now, you know, we deceive ourselves a little bit there because we like the adrenaline, adrenaline rush and the accomplishment and that kind of things. But we say, but it's for them. It's for them. I mean, they have everything they need. I mean, don't they understand that I spend this time at work for them? I mean, I, I, and I, we say, I make sure that I give them quality time. Now, I, I need to, is it just us here? Can we shut the door? Let me just talk about me a second. I have struggled with this one forever, forever. Uh, and, and I, you know, we could, I know this is debatable, but I think I have a tougher time of it because I'm a pastor because I think God has allowed me to, you know, God called me to sacrifice, you know, it's God's work. And it, it, it has allowed me to play the God card with my wife, Allison and my daughters, Leanne, and Mary Beth, because, you know, God called me to this. 
You know, and people's eternities are at stake. And so you get to the end of the day, and there's, there's five more phone calls of people who have a crisis, and there are four more people who are in the hospital sick who need prayer for healing, and there's, there's two guys who wanted to know how to be saved, how to become Christians, how to receive God's gift of eternal life. I mean, I can't go, drive off and leave them till uh, tomorrow, you know. Don't you understand? This is eternal. God called me to this. And so for 40 years, I've gone through these cycles of being late for dinner and, you know, and, and, and my wife and daughters would sometimes suffer in silence because how could they, you know, object to that? Because, you know, God, how could they dare complain? And then I also have that deal, guys, where I'd say, I mean, don't you know that this is also how I get my paycheck and how I, you know, I provide for you? I mean, yeah, you know, I, got, I play that one too. And then one day God just smote me when I was reading through the Scriptures with one verse. And here's what it says from the Scriptures. If a man does not care for his own family, he is worse than an unbeliever. Mm, busted. Busted. So, hey, all you men and women in the program, you'll understand what I'm about to say. Hi, I'm Keith, and I'm a ministryaholic. <laughs> and I, I will never be free from the pull of that addiction on my own, and so I must continue to walk with Jesus in such a way that He keeps me on His plan. If I do not walk with Him... In such a way, I'll fall off the wagon and become a ministry workaholic for God all over again. Now, that's the way it works. That's the way it works with me. The best, you see, the reason we get that way is because we believe also in the, the myth of quality time. We believe in the myth of quality time. You know, I give them quality time. Well, let me, let me illustrate it this way. Uh, how many of you like to eat? Some of you look like you do, and you're not raising your hand. So, I, you know, God made us to, God gives us richly all things to enjoy, and that includes food. Yay, God. Yay, God. And uh, some people say, I wish I, wish I just didn't have to mess with food. I could just take a pill and get the nutrition. Not me, buddy. Not me. I want, let's have, enjoy the food. Well, let's say that I came to you one day at the end of the services here and said, hey, 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 I have discovered the finest prime rib in all of Atlanta. It's at a restaurant downtown. It's a beautiful place, fine linens, fine china, and it is absolutely the best prime rib, the highest quality, the best tasting prime rib in all of Atlanta. And so you make a plan to go. I give you directions and you make reservations and take your, your bride uh, downtown and you sit down, beautiful place and great customer service. And as the server comes to take your order, you say, I am coming for your famous prime rib. And, and, and the server says, wonderful choice. We have the best prime rib in all of Atlanta, and you just can't wait. You can smell it, and you kind of laid off the eats all day so you'd be hungry. And, uh, and in a moment, they come out with a be beautiful presentation on fine china and sit before you on a platter a one-inch cube of prime rib. Now, would you, be, would you be happy with that? I mean, it's expensive. You know, 25, 30 bucks. 
Would you be, would you, would you be satisfied with that? And that's not a rhetorical question. Would you? No, no. And they say, but, but sir, this is quality. So is our time. You see, quality time is quantity. Quantity equals quality. If there's not a bunch of your time with someone, it's not quality. It's something else. And I was like, if they don't give me a bunch of prime rib, it's not quality. I mean, I want, I want, it, I want it to taste good, and I want as much of it as they'll give me for my dollar, right? Right. Sure. Uh, we believe in the myth of quality uh, time. You know, all the money in the world can't replace the time with your wife or your husband or your son and your daughter or your mom or your dad or your friend and, or Jesus. It, it, all, all of the other stuff you do for uh, time with him, nothing can replace that. So you might say, well, pastor, here's the good question. So what do I do? If I'm going to invest time, probably I'm going to have to make some time. I'm going to have to free up some time, right? Right, because we're all to the wall with our time. So I want you to take one minute on your note sheet there and write down one action, one takeaway, one, one behavioral change you can make uh, today that would free up a little more time to spend with your, with your spouse, with your kids, with your parents, or with Jesus. Ready? Ready? Just one action you could take. One, two, three, go. You can do it in silence, and I'll call time here in just a moment. One action. One takeaway. Okay, here we go. We should have, maybe, here's a little help. How many of you said, turn off the TV or cut down on watching TV? Raise your hand really quick. There you go. Good, good. That's a good one. How many of you said, turn off the computer a little more? Less time on the computer somehow. Right. How many of you said, uh, turn off your cell phone, your smartphone? Nobody's willing. (laughs) Okay. How about this? How about when you're with someone, don't take your phone with you. Leave it, lock it up in the car. Uh, leave your phone in the car. Uh, how about this? How many of you said, well, I'm going to put, I'm going to make some appointments, put them on my calendar, time with my wife or my kids or my parents or God, something like that. I'm going to count. Yeah, that's, that's a powerful one. Go ahead and on your weekly calendar, put the big rocks in first, put some time, put the time with your spouse, with your kids, with your parents, with your friends, with Jesus. Got it? I mean, stuff like that. Way to go. You're pretty, way to go. You're on the road there. If, if you and I want to revitalize shriveling relationships in our lives, then 
a dying marriage, a shriveling friendship, a a, a dying relationship with Jesus, then we must invest some more time because the best expression of love is time. The best use of your life is love. The best expression of love is time. And here's the third one. The best time to love is now. Write down the word now. The best time to love is now. Not tomorrow, not next week, but now. i got three verses I want to read to you. You can jot down the references and maybe memorize them later. Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, whenever we have opportunity, we should do good to everyone. In Ephesians 5.16, the Bible says, Use every chance you have for doing good. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27 and 28 Whenever you possibly can, do good to those who need it. Never tell your neighbor to wait until tomorrow if you can help them now. So, Pastor, you must say, well, why, why is the best time now? I mean, I, you know the answer. Because now is all you have. Now is all you are promised. Now is all that I am promised. We don't know how long you're going to have an opportunity to do it. Circumstances change. People die. Children grow up in 18 days and leave home. They do. They do. And so if you're going to express love with your time, you better do it now. I have very, very few regrets in my life. I mean, God is, by His grace, has allowed me to live in such a way. I I live a joy-filled life. I I have very few regrets, but I do have one among a few. I do have one. As as you know, most of you know, because pastors grieve out loud, that's the way we preach about it. Uh, I've been grieving my father's death, you know, and I'm fine. It was about three and a half years ago. My dad died. After living 800 miles away from my mom and dad for a number of years, In 1982, Allison and I moved back to Georgia within 47 miles of their front door. Uh, And so for the last 31 years, I've lived 47 miles and basically a one-hour drive from my mom and dad's front door. My dad, you could set time by him, and you can be sure that every afternoon at 5 o'clock, he had what he called 5 o'clock coffee. If it was beautiful weather, weather, it was outside on the porch. If it was uh, not good weather, it was inside in his den. Every, he, he had a cup of coffee, 5 o'clock, every day. And I, and I have been saying to myself for over three years, why in the world... Didn't I get in my car once a week and drive the one hour to his house and sit down for an hour and have five o'clock coffee with him and then drive back? Why didn't I do that? It's because I forgot what was important. And that window's closed now, without being melodramatic, it's just, but it is. It's closed. Now, I did it some. You know, I did it every now and then, but I could have I done it every week. There was no reason I couldn't could have done that every week. And I regret it. So the best time to do it is now. George McGovern, the one-time presidential candidate in the United States, wrote a book about his daughter, Terry, 
who died of alcoholism. In 1994, she was found frozen to death in a snowbank uh, where she had fallen in a drunken stupor. After his daughter died, McGovern poured over his daughter Terry's diaries and talked to all of her friends trying to figure out what she was thinking. And, and he discovered that he was not as good a father as he thought he'd been. I mean, while he was spending 18-hour days fighting political causes, his daughter Terry was at home writing in her diary that she missed her daddy, but that he probably didn't miss her because he probably didn't care about her. McGovern wrote these words of advice to parents in his, in his book. Listen, he said, Show more love to your kids by spending more time with them, especially during the adolescent years. No matter what it costs your career, that way neither of you will have regrets. And then he writes this, I'd give everything I have, and I mean everything, for one more afternoon with Terry, just to tell her how much I love her and have one more of those happy times that we used to have all too infrequently. But now imagine with me, imagine with me, going forward, you know, you can't change the past, but you can start now and rewrite the future, rewrite the ending. That's the good thing about God's grace. The wonderful thing about God's grace. And so imagine with me if you decide now, God, the best use of my life is love. The best expression of my love is time. And the best time to love is right now. And that you, you by his grace and power of his Holy Spirit, begin to arrange life so that you do invest quantity chunks of time with your husband, with your wife, with your parents, with your sons and daughters, with your, with your brothers and sisters, with your friends, with Jesus. Life's going to get, this is not great English, but it's great preaching. It's going to get gooder and gooder. It's going to be, it's a, it is the way God would have you live. The best, time, the best uh, way to live life is with love. The best expression of love is time, and the best time to love is now. Now, you already know every single thing that I've told you. You already knew these things before you came in today. Our problem is not, not that we don't know what to do and how to behave. Our problem is that we find that we don't have the ability, the power to consistently Live a lifestyle of remembering what matters most, of remembering relationships. And then when we do remember them, we find that we don't have the capacity to actually express love on our own. We're limited. We hold grudges. We get our feelings hurt and keep our feelings spread out all over the parking lot. So it's, you know, we're hypersensitive and people, it's easy to step on them. And, and we just write people off and paint ourselves in the relational corner so that we get to the end of our lives and no one's there. We, we don't have, we forget what to do, and then when we remember it, we don't have the power to do it. The reason that God gives us all of these commands and insights from the Bible is not to say, okay, you got to ramp it up, you got to step it up, you got to do better. It's to, to get our attention to realize we can't do better. We need outside help. I, I am still a flawed, sinful person, not perfect yet. I need a Savior. I need, the, I need the presence and power of the Spirit of Christ indwelling me 
enabling me to remember and then enabling me to take the actions that I need to take and express the love that I need to love. We, we, we live and love by faith, not by effort. We've already tried it, haven't we? We've already tried it. And so let's start by praying to God, to the God of the Bible, and admitting our lack of ability to remember what matters most, and then when we remember it, even to do it. Admit, I am not able. I need you, God. And let's ask him, because he is able. He is willing and able to indwell our lives and grant us grace and his amazing love in our hearts to to motivate and enable us to remember the right things and do the right things, love the right way. We're going to pray, have a time of prayer. I'd like for all of our ministers and elders and pastors and people that we've equipped to do this, would you come line up across the front? I need you to do it quickly, 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 and then kind of down the side. Some of you get on the sides. Maybe some of you stand in the back. If any of you are in the balcony, go there. We're going to move into a time of prayer, unhurried, unrushed prayer. We've got plenty of time left in the service. Don't move. Don't move. Let's start by praying to God. Come let one of us pray with you and for you. Do you need need help remembering relationships? Then come and pray. In fact, let's go ahead and start the music here. And you just get up from where you're seated. The people will let you out. Come to someone and let us pray for you. Do you need help making love your highest goal? Then come and pray. Let let us pray for you. Do you need help carving out the, the quantity of time needed to express love? Then good, get up. Come and pray. Do you, do you need help loving now, taking action now? You need the power to do that? Well, come, come and pray. Do you, uh, do you have regrets over missed opportunities and you're sad about it? Well, just come and pray and ask God to heal your heart. That's what I've had to do with this deal about my dad. And he has and is. But come and pray. Some of you have other issues. Some of you have other people you're concerned about and issues that are causing you a problem with people and God and you need God's help. In addition to this, just get up, you know, come. Let us pray with you and pray for you. We're going to take about seven or eight minutes, unhurried, unrushed prayer. You may certainly pray where you're seated. You may want to turn around and kneel at your chair. You may want to just come kneel here at the front. Somehow the Bible models for us that when we move or do something physically, it helps us get in a place of prayer with God. You do so now. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.